Hello and welcome to the Global Policy Cast. I am Manikandan Ramaswamy. This is the platform where policy leaders around the world would share their personal opinions on national and international government policy action. Today, I am joined by Mr. Anil Swarup, IAS, former Education and Code Secretary, Government of India, and Professor Abhinav Sharma from Banaras Hindi University. Welcome to the Global Policy Cast. The year 2020 became with one of the biggest challenges of 21st century. Throughout the globe, we were facing an emergency even not seen during two world wars. The whole world came to its knees due to a viral pandemic COVID-19, which happens to be incurable till now. Though we have a long history of pandemics in India, but the magnitude with which it has spread and affected our lives is inexplicable. We already have our problems and issues of poverty and employment, hunger and inadequate infrastructure and now this COVID-19 pandemic. In this inaugural exercise, as an academician, Professor Abhinav Sharma will endure and understand how has been the policy response in managing this superlative challenge. I also did my master's in political science way back in 1978 from Allahabad University. So nice to interact with you, someone who is still into political science. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, very much. So my first question, a simple question is, is this COVID-19 a man-made or natural disaster? Oh, that's a million-dollar question. Very. If I had the answer to it, I wouldn't be talking to you. Uh, there's still a debate going on whether it is a man-made or a natural. Uh, with, whatever be the uh, cause of it, uh, we have to uh, try and prepare ourselves for the consequences. Uh, there is no point in debating the cause of covid whether it was man made or natural that i think over a period of time it will get revealed and accordingly action could be taken or may not be taken at all but we are now faced with a with a outcome of covid and we have to be prepared for that so our total focus should not be on the cause or why it happened it should be on how we can handle the post covid situation very true because uh, this question i had asked you in the beginning itself and that uh, the response of the emergency responders whatever literature which is available that was going through uh, it shows that uh, the man made response to man made events and terror attacks are more uh, easier in comparison to natural disasters like these so i very much agree with your this uh, perception that we must focus on the consequences of this Yes. Otherwise, the discussion would be purely academic in nature. I think, yes. uh, as a practitioner, I have always believed on how to handle the consequences thereof. Okay, okay. That is also I have been teaching in public administration that in administration, in other public administration, we have to focus on the solutions. Yes, yes. Then, sir, the second thing is that uh, in public administration, we focus on the tackling of response, tackling of the crisis. and i have seen with my this experience for the last uh, maybe two decades that we talk of response occurrence at two levels one at the strategic level that is the political administrative leadership and second at the operational level on the ground level uh, the decisions and the behavior of those who are dealing with the uh, crisis just like this in case of covid so what is your perception about these two different levels strategic level and operational level you know you must have heard of this name called protagoras the greek philosopher 
the the dilemma before the government was and i am not talking in terms of strategic and policy level decision that these are very difficult decisions to make because either way there could be a problem so that's a call that our government had to take whether they should go ahead with the lockdown the initial feedback is that the lockdown was timely and if you compare what is happening in india to other countries of the world i think india has done reasonably well now it could have done better you can always argue that at the policy level at the operation level i think the response has been absolutely amazing i mean those very civil servants which were pilloried and castigated and criticized have come up trumps against against a real serious unprecedented crisis and the way it is being managed by the civil servants the uh, the doctors and the policemen in the field is absolutely remarkable so i think so far so good uh, as i said you can always find fault with what has happened and look for improvements yes there has to be improvement the real challenge comes now and in fact i have i have written an article which has appeared in business line in which i have looked at the the problems uh, the problems that are now going to emerge and the opportunities that are available to this country because covid crisis is not merely creating problems it is bringing in huge opportunities which can now be seized so whereas uh, answering your question number one i think the policy response or the strategic response was fairly fine i think except for the problems that we had in terms of migrant labor there that could have possibly been handled a bit better but apart from that i think this lockdown has actually impacted the number of places that have finally emerged the response on the ground as i said earlier is absolutely amazing i think the the district administration the doctors everyone has got down to business even at the cost of their lives they are they're they really slogging it out again i mean people may criticize and say this could have been done that could have been done but by and large i think it's a fairly satisfactory response nowadays we are talking about the mapping mapping of the <coughs> this territories or regions starting with district level the various uh, spots where we can have some kind of disaster preparedness for example in 2018 kerala was having this problem of nipah virus and that experience mm. of 2018 was uh, somewhat full mm. in meeting uh, in responding to this crisis at the kerala level and now we are talking of kerala model of uh, this uh, management of this disaster uh, no i i agree with you in fact i had suggested this about a fortnight ago mm-hmm. my personal view was that there has to be some national level decisions but majority of the decisions have to happen at the local level because india is a very vast and a very diverse country you can't sit and decide in delhi for everyone so the conditions say here in maunath bhanjan would be very different from what is happening in a uh, district in kerala so the planning has to be district wise and maybe go down further into block level or in village level for example when you talk in terms of reviving manufacturing or reviving economic activity there can't be a general decision sitting in delhi and say it should be revived throughout the country as as you rightly put it you have to identify each segment each area and find out the risks there and accordingly plan for them. so this segmentation is absolutely imperative why should say for states of northeast india suffer on account of this lockdown because there are cases in delhi or in hyderabad or in bhopal or indore northeast is now i i read it today northeast is now virtually free of covid so normal activity should come as there now there are two three levels at which we have to look at the the interstate issues will have to be decided and settled at the central level 
inter district issues will have to be decided at the state level within the district issues have to be left to the district within the state have to be left to the state that's how decision making should happen in a federal and a huge country like ours this is eminently possible this should be done that is how it should be done there is uh, one issue about uh, those emergency responders who are dealing at the local level or they are the frontline workers dealing with crisis hmm. what about their stress depression the post traumatic stress disorder in such emergency responders what we can do you know first i think we should equip our emergency responders to begin with the equipment was not sufficiently available and that is why a number of these emergency responders themselves suffered on account of this virus fortunately government picked it up now that equipment that is number one they should feel psychologically and physiologically secure in terms of handling this crisis and that can happen if requisite equipment becomes available the, the hardware and the uniform the dress the various various measures that need to that is one number two strictest of action should be taken against the violators in the sense of those that you know throw stones at doctors or military doctors you know strongest of measure and it should be demonstrated to everyone that these guys are sacrificing for the country country sake for others and they should not be ill treated there have been instances of strongest of action third give provide additional financial security and insurance cover to these frontline workers because then they will psychologically feel secure that god forbid if something happens to them government will take care of them very clearly so you know action needs to be taken at various levels i am given to understand a lot of it is their government is attempting a lot of it has happened and probably more will happen when you talk of uh, the legal aspect i uh, was going through this uh, particular period uh, this pandemic we are still mm. following the 123 year old almost uh, this uh, epidemic act which was mm. initiated in the month of march by the cabinet secretariat I think particular section section two a thing which was in mm. and we mm. also have this NDMA mm. disaster management act so we mm. don't we think so there are so many still uh, colonial laws and uh, which are still in work it is they are creating more confusion to talk of uh, implementation uh, issues no I my I have had as I as you mentioned earlier I had forty years of experience yes. in the civil service and I came to the following conclusion. when british left this country they took justice with them left behind laws and laws and outlaws <laughs> and we are so obsessed with laws that we think every solution to every problem is a law right to education act was one such act which created more problems now why i am mentioning that i don't think any legislation at stands today whether it during colonial time or now has created any confusion per se i mean no one stops the government from issuing executive orders that are clear in nature and no law stops the government from doing that there are sufficient laws and reasonable laws available yes you can always a legal mind can sit down and already always improve upon those laws but i don't think there is a legislative hurdle in carrying out the task that the government has to carry out i don't think there is a law required an additional law required yes if you look at some of these laws they are archaic in nature they need to be looked into and probably will be looked into and are being looked into but at this point in time when we are handling a crisis i think law does, is not an inhibiting factor in management of this crisis in the field i am very certain about it and what about this aspect which is being in the news nowadays 
the lack of transparency and denial of uh, committee transmission see uh, if in in such places where lockdown has been implemented in letter and spirit this transmission transmission has been withheld if you look at the happened people who have violated certain norms that were laid down for lockdown that has created that problem if you if you do an analysis of this data that is available now now i shudder at the thought if community transmission does happen as the way it is happening in dharavi or some other places that's a serious issue that will be very serious because then you may have to quarantine the entire community and focus on testing this is another thing that government is doing and perhaps required to do more is once you identify these segments and these areas where there are chances of greater uh, you know infection have sent percent testing there and work out the strategy there so there's no point in wasting your effort and see today in more than 300 districts where not a single case of covid has emerged all you have to do is to keep them safe and separate you don't have to do testing there the testing has to be focused in as the government has already identified the red and the orange districts green districts can be left aside sir you have been also in the ministry of labor and uh, mm. as we know that a large number of our workforce is in the organized sector mm. and uh, they are basically migrant laborers mm. and this uh, partial lockdown and the complete lockdown has affected their livelihood so how mm. can this particular uh, crisis can help us in the prospective and better management of uh, this organized sector with regard to their wages with regard to their food distribution or other things okay let me let me first give you the immediate aspect of it and then what can be done in the medium term okay in the immediate aspect immediately what needs to be done is to enable these workers to proceed to their homes and if that is not possible to put them in places and feed them properly if this is not done then we are facing a serious crisis this is the immediate and given the fact that india does have enormous amount of food grains and all it's now a question of management of handling these migrant workers that is one in the medium term i think the government should work out as early as possible a social security scheme which has been talked about for a while when i was there we put out a plan but obviously as is often happens that the finance ministry is not very comfortable because there has to be some financial outgo i think the social security which has been deprived for these 93% of the i mean of the labor force if i remember the statistics correctly 93% of the labor force was in the unorganized sector meaning thereby they didn't have any social security cover now that needs to be thought of immediately as soon as the crisis gets over how do you give them a social security cover in terms of minimum availability of subsistence li- living so this sort of social security cover it's all there in the files i mean not decisions have to be taken and money has to back it the problem with the government is going to face in the near future would be where does the money come from because the tax tax recovery is down manufacturing again is down which again will lead to lesser tax recovery managing funds would be major problem i mean i can give ideas and ideas i have always believed that it's very easy to give an idea for an idea to fructify it has to be politically acceptable socially desirable technologically feasible financially viable administratively doable and judicially tenable if an idea does not fulfill all these six criteria it is just an idea and becomes an academic discussion and nothing happens on the ground another important thing which we have been uh, 
looking at this uh, in this crisis that uh, we have been uh, blaming about the super spreaders huh for example in this uh, place where i am teaching i am teaching at bhu varanasi mm. so for the last two days two three days there is an increase in the number of persons who have been infected and mm. it is a case of i think what i have observed as a community spread it's like okay. case of uh, dharavi what is okay. happening what is happening okay. someone who have come from outside with uh. infection and the uh, symptomatic asymptomatic cases are there and mm. there has always been a issue with regard to the ground level workforce are they, mm. what they were doing how are these mm. people were able to enter even after this uh, direct executive from the government that they have to be uh, quarantine or they have to be watched carefully so this is an issue with regard to this Uh, frontline management, which we call the state level bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I think there is a limit to which uh, civil servants can go down and you know interact. This awareness level will need to be generated at each level, and a lot of information dissemination is happening in this case. And I think the uh, the society itself. I think the social groups themselves they are in some of the states like why why did kerala come out of it so quickly as it has because the social awareness there it's not merely the government that is working there the social awareness levels have to go up now this has happened so suddenly that suddenly the awareness levels need not go up but i see a lot of people becoming aware become themselves trying to uh, you know isolate themselves quarantine themselves a government cannot keep enforcing how to what extent can i mean a government officer can stand with a danda and push everyone so for example in a case of university like bhu or alabad university you know here university itself should come up with a mechanism to enforce what is required to be done i mean you can't have officers standing there to enforce it and you can find volunteers there is whole lot of volunteers that are available someone should sit down and organize these volunteers to see that the mandate is implemented now if government is only seen as implementing the mandate it will be deemed that it's some sort of a government mandate no it is a public mandate it's i mean each member of the society has to start believing in it and then do it and this can happen more if those from within the society form into such volunteers or get those volunteers who enforce it that means you are going to focus on this uh, network governance where public sector private sector and ngos इंडिया we are talking about this uh, virtual classroom online teaching courses but uh, don't you think so there still there are certain constraints with regard to infrastructure and uh, there are certain prejudices among teachers and students and uh, in short to cut short we are not prepared what to do no no i am not very sure whether that's the correct understanding of the situation we will have to segment the 
teaching community or taught community now there is a segment of students who have access to internet now okay. what is already happening and i am i am helping a number of institutions in doing that what is already happening that a large number of schools have developed an internet based curriculum internet based teaching they have a daily program 2 hours 2 and a half hours through the internet and they give assignments to children and the assignments are seen by teachers now you don't have to be physically present to do that now let me let me clarify here this is not a perfect situation mm-hmm. what is being attempted is given the set of circumstances what is the best that can be done i mean best obviously could be physical interface but if that can't happen can we use technology to reach out to children it helps in two ways one of course in teaching them and second more importantly it keeps the child engaged you know to my mind psychologically the child needs to be engaged because as an adult you can adjust to the change set of circumstances a child who's been running around here and there has been asked to stay in a house now he has to be engaged if he's not engaged then there could be other troubles that could come so one is that segment of children where internet and web facilities are available a large segment of people in this country have smartphones and internet is available now let us look at the other part where internet is not available there you can't do much but i have been advising people and teachers that they should speak to children on telephone and talk to them once or twice a week or sometimes as is convenient to them have an engagement with the children now you can't obviously teach everyone everything at this point in time because there are limitations but you have to make the best of the opportunities that are available so that you can reach out keep reaching out to the children so this is as far as engagement and teaching children is concerned i am glad that a large number, i mean i i am sitting on a number of such curriculums that have been developed approaches that have been developed to reach out to children but these are most of these are for children who have access to internet now let us look at the examination and entrance examination what are we losing fortunately this covid crisis has coming around a time when there used to be summer vacations so effectively we will not be using so much time maybe a month month and a half now i have studied in alavad university and in those days in any case month and a half used to be get, used to get lost in student agitation this agitation that agitation so if one and a half months gets lost heavens are not falling you can cut down these uh, winter vacations you can have an additional hour class every day so this can be made up i don't see that as a major problem coming to examination my 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 suggestion would be uh, i mean except in the final year of the examination so like be a third year or a final year where you have to have examination you can pass these people from the previous class to the next class and then wherever you have internal examination give those as marks i mean there are alternatives available which are not as good as the as it should be but alternatives can be thought out and i see a lot of teacher groups lot of principals lot of professors sitting around and trying to work out a way forward i mean as i said this is very unprecedented there are no perfect solutions available it is through discussions that you can come up with some solutions but one thing more sir in case of teaching fraternity there is a somewhat division between these senior faculty members who are not well versed with the technology and at the same time they are uh, they say they are they are above any kind of training because the other they have been promoted to the highest level or they are on the verge of retirement or whatever reason they go and it is basically the most unfortunate thing which i have felt during my this teaching uh, career i have retired i am still learning i mean i have used this month and month and a half for 
uh, you know skilling uh, how to make dal how to make rice i mean uh, how to wash utensils something which i haven't done in my life but i'm doing it and my wife gives me a certificate that i'm doing it reasonably well so it's i mean you you can look at it as an opportunity for doing something you can take pride in and that's how you motivate these guys that world does not come to an end you are evolving as an individual and as an individual you learn even post retirement what, what about close to being close to retirement you can keep learning and as a teacher each one has to understand that the the satisfaction that you get out of acquiring knowledge is only a teacher knows it no how how good you feel when you understand a concept when you are able to convince somebody else about an argument when you are able to convey a particular proposition to students the sense of satisfaction that you do is phenomenal my dear friend i if i had not got into the civil service or if my father had not desired me to be in the civil service i would have been a professor somewhere i love teaching and i am doing that post retirement i do take a few classes and talk to students so i love that so this sort of a motivation needs to be conveyed to the teachers that derive sense of satisfaction out of learning more out of reaching out to people of learning technology i mean i myself also find myself a bit handicapped technology wise but i have people on phone i ask them and i am learning i am learning technology how to use how to use technology one more thing when we talk of implementation in the role of administration there is an issue of administrative fragmentation and decentralization yeah which might complicate implementation what do you feel see uh, the, the two are not really linked fragmentation is normally used in a pejorative sense whereas decentralization to my is a very positive thing now by decentralizing you are actually doing away with the negative aspects of fragmentation you are actually reposing confidence in the person on the spot to take a decision and that does not lead to fragmentation in fact that leads to building of confidence throughout my career if you read my book not just a civil servant i have built on this idea that the fact that you decentralize and delegate you build confidence you convey confidence to those people and you win trust of those people so it doesn't lead to fragmentation in fact it leads to confidence building it is much better so i don't think there is a conflict i i am not in favor of fragmentation but i am totally in favor of de- decentralization and delegation and i mentioned to you earlier there are certain decisions that have to be taken at the local level i don't think central government should be bothered about it whether economic activity should begin in a district or not should be a decision to be taken by the district administration whether economic activity inter district should happen in a state or not should be taken by the state government not by the central government whether inter state activity should happen that should be a decision of the central government so you can always decide if you have clarity of and focus you can decide what are the decision points and who should be taking those decisions who should be taking the responsibility for those decisions i think administration becomes much easier okay sir then sir what about those who are working in, as frontline workers they have the option of exercising discretion and self regulation how to make a balance between exercising discretion and self regulation see what the standard operating procedures if are clearly laid down and conveyed then they will clearly list out what he is mandated to do and what is their discretion is this is the job of a central agency they should work out the standard operating procedures they should define where discretion is available to the person on the spot and then leave it to him there is a confusion because if you don't define it clearly then the front level worker starts deciding on issues where there is a particular mandate so if a mask has to be worn it is not his discretion not to wear a mask but when he comes home when he stays with them then he has a discretion whether to wear a mask or not 
So you have to take a call and decide clearly as to what is the standard operating procedure. When that clarity is there, then and a proper communication is there, then there is no problem in the field. Then guy knows what he can do, where he has the discretion to do or not to do. We have been increasingly relying on the scientific and technical expertise in making policy decisions. Hmm. But what about the question of accountability? See, you are raising a very larger issue now. I am a great believer that whoever takes a decision should be held accountable for whatever decision that he takes. The problem arises when there is no determination of where is the decision point, because sometimes the in governance, as I've seen it, it is so obfuscated, it is so nebulous that you don't know where is the decision point. Let me give an example from my experience in coal, okay, and you'll understand that. Now, Mr. Harish Chand Gupta, who was one of my predecessors as coal secretary, mm -hmm. was hauled up for something which he was not responsible at all. The mm -hmm. final decision was taken by the prime minister as coal minister. Okay. If any responsibility had to be ascertained, he could not get away from it, but he got away from it. That's where the problem is. So once you know and imagine Mr. Gupta was taking a decision on the basis of documents submitted by a third party, and as Secretary Government of India, he couldn't have legitimately looked at every document. It's not possible. There are two hundreds of documents that come to you. You assume that the document submitted by somebody is the correct one. If he doesn't submit the right document, he should be hung, not the Secretary. Now, if for the sake of argument, Secretary was to be hung, then Prime Minister was previewed to exactly the same set of documents. Why isn't he held responsible? So once you don't have clarity in where the decision-making is, this accountability becomes difficult. Once you have clarity of the decision, then accountability becomes simple. The government thrives on, on keeping this as nebulous as possible so that responsibility cannot be fixed, which is a sad state of affairs. That means there's some kind of uh, political, administrative issues of regarding responsibility. No, there is no big thing required. I don't think any big issues. When I became co-secretary, I've defined everything. Everything is defined. Mm -hmm. It's so well defined that these post of full secretary standard operating procedures put them on the portal. How auctions have to be held, how coal block auctions. Not a single mistake has been committed thereafter. So you have to develop systems. You can develop systems. It requires time. Of course, it will not give you a lot of publicity. But since we are so enamored with publicity, we don't do that. It requires solid hard work. I know you are, you are busy, quite a busy man nowadays also. And mm. uh, we are happy to be in association with you. And in near future also, we will continue with this kind of exercises. Uh, I would like to tell you that recently we are planning to open a center for public policy and governance. Wonderful. So if this is uh, fructified, then maybe you will be a part of this particular entity also, sir. Thank you, sir. No, I, keep, I, I keep traveling all over the country talking about books. Now I am only talking, not walking. The easiest thing to do. To talk. Walking is thank difficult, you, but thank you very much. Great talking to you. I hope you benefit from this discussion. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Nice thank you. Sir. God bless you. Okay, well, that was fantastic. Thank you very much, Mr. Ranil Swarup and Professor Abhinav Sharma. Thanks for listening. Please join us for our next episode when Professor Abhinav Sharma from Banarasindh University will talk with Ms. Urvashi Prashad, Public Policy Specialist from Niti Aayog, Government of India.